teach kids how to break that down and problem solve and be effective at that project so it's meaningful and it's not the last day of the month and all of a sudden the project's due and you're just cramming a bunch of stuff on paper to get it turned in. Welcome to the Andy Jacks Podcast, reflection on education, leadership, and life. Please consider hitting that like button, sharing with others, and letting me know what you think. In this episode, I bring in my good friend, Alicia Bowles, to discuss her insight into ADHD as an educator, school leader, and parent. What does ADHD really mean for our students, and how can we help our kids help themselves for life, not just school? I was blessed to work with Alicia and see her in action as a special education teacher and team lead. She's a nationally board certified teacher. She has also served as assistant principal and currently she's an educational sales rep for IXL. She has a huge heart for her students and has done the real work to help change their lives. I've seen it. She's outstanding. I'm so thankful she's on the show today. So you've seen Jerry Maguire, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry Maguire is the best. So. The scene in Jerry Maguire, where Jerry is trying to get the, the I don't remember his, the, the character's name, but the actor is Cuba Gooding Jr. And he's trying to get him to be more engaging to the crowd and be more boisterous and actually dance in the end zone to get more money, you know, show me the money kind of thing. Right. So he's in the locker room and he says to him, help me help you. <laughs> and he does this like dramatically, help me Help, help you, you. Yeah. help me, help <laughs> you. And I think that is such a great analogy for what we're trying to do with our kids because it's really not about us fixing them or making them do things. We can't make anybody do anything. All we could do is help inspire them to want to change things in their lives only if they know that it matters to them and it actually will make a difference to make them better people or meet their goals. Right. So we dive into ADHD because we have a lot of kids that either have ADHD or have very similar characteristics of ADHD. And I think nowadays with technology and with the social media, I think to some degree, we all have a little bit of this going on because we're so yeah. distracted all the time. So what do we need to know about ADHD when we're thinking about that? You know, remember we're talking about as educators, as parents, as people, what, what do you think we need to know based on your experience, Alicia? First of all, welcome too. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, going kind of off with analogies. I love analogies, just like I know you love analogies. Yes. ADHD is very complex. There's really no easy button. Um, and, you know, we've all seen those visuals on social media or around of those icebergs that have, you know, you see the tip of that iceberg, which is what we see when students come in the classroom or with our kids. But with ADHD, what, what sometimes is that unseen, invisible um, thing that kids struggle with is all the things under that that we can think about and talk about with emotional development and how they um, impulse control, how they view and see situations, you know? And it's something, something to think about with that too. All that busyness underneath would be like us sitting here listening and trying to have a conversation and there's music playing in the background and there's a dog barking and someone is like dancing around. There's all these things happening around us, yet we are forced as students and as people to really hone in on one specific thing. Kids with their ADHD brain, all of that stuff is constantly happening. So I'm very passionate about helping kids find ways to be successful and kind of 
quiet and, and kind of streamline that noise that they have to focus and be successful as people, as students, and just as family members. Right, because ultimately it's not just about school. Right. You know, and so many times we get so, especially as educators, we get so focused on how to do good for a test or how to sit still in class or any of those things when the reality is, and I talk to parents all the time, and this is one thing I say is, you know, be careful that our goal is just to be good in school. That's not really our goal. Our good is our goal is to be good in life. Right. When kids get out of school, they could do anything they want. They could be a mountain climber. They can be a computer programmer. They can, you know, work with a lot of people or work totally independently. There's so many different options as an adult, but when you're a kid, you have basically one option. And right. so it's really be careful that we get stuck with only thinking about the temporary component of school and, and really help kids help themselves to think about how can they just be more effective altogether. Right. And, and reframing that thinking really for people in general, for us, you know, as adults, what really look, what does a real successful person look like, right? They can plan out their, their actions. They know what they need to do in terms of analyzing and organizing and, and how to get through that. You know, I like to think about that as think of how important the job of an air traffic controller is, right? There's a million and one things going on. What do they have to do to be successful? What does a CEO have to do to be successful? It's ultimately not about that academic portion if they can't get through and understand the analysis of what they need to do, how to plan ahead, how to control those impulses and really execute a plan, you know, and without those skills, it's hard to even really open up and get that academic stuff to better ourselves and be successful. So I like to really think about that when I not only think about kids with ADHD, you know, my own son, just kids in general, like kids need this type skills to be successful. You know, a favorite quote of mine is just really too, why does all that other stuff matter? If you can't have relationships with people and plan and organize and really look at how to be successful, does the academic part matter? You know, you have to have those skills in order to be successful. And our kids with ADHD struggle with that more um, because they have so many other things going on. So it's just, you know, a, what I see with my own son at home, it's just a passion of mine to know and understand that just like reading, just like math, kids need explicit instruction in how to develop these skills and learn how to do it rather than just being an assumption kind of thing that they should just know how to do it because they don't. Absolutely. You know, I think the most effective teachers I've ever seen are ones that do two things at once. They simultaneously teach kids for their future how to do things in general and teach that content for that lesson. It's not just mm -hmm. about the lesson and getting the content done. They're also teaching them study skills, good work habits, organizational skills, and doing those things at the same time, integrating those two things together, because ultimately right. those things are what they could probably actually, they're going to forget about the Pythagorean theorem, you know, but they'll, <laughs> but they'll remember how they organize themselves in an agenda, for instance, right? Something right. that, you know, all of us do, we were talking offline about sure. like how important our agendas and our organizers are something that we still struggle with as adults. And so those best teachers, I think, teach both those and integrate those at the same time. But you have to, like you said, explicitly teach kids how to do that first i'm going to challenge you if you're listening you need to know effective ways that you can do this so if you may be more or less organized you need to think about what works for you may not work for somebody else 
mm-hmm. like what works for them. And, you know, so you have to really think about some different options that you can give kids. Yeah. And know. one of my biggest aha moments as a parent of a child with ADHD was to really think about that child's developmental age versus their actual age and think about what do those skills look like in terms of that cognitive awareness and cognitive energy? You know, we all know we have a set number of hours of cognitive energy that we can really kind of use throughout the day. It's typically a couple of hours, to be honest, if you look at the research of what that looks like. Kids with ADHD, um, you know, that cognitive energy burns off so much faster. So they get to this point, if you think of them coming into a school building, there's so many things going on. You know, what do my friends see? Oh, that's over here. And it's, you know, ADHD is so much more than that distractibility because they're having to work so much harder inside with what we don't see to give you their best effort. And a lot of times they, even with their best effort, they're, they're still kind of talked about, or, you know, even as a parent, it's hard. Think about the developmental age, not to treat them any differently, but you know, my son's 13 developmentally with ADHD kids are about a three to four year difference. So think about what that 10 year old needs in terms of organization and expectations and help teach those kids that and think of it that way, rather than the go-to, you know, you're, you're, you're 13 years old, you know better, because really they might not know better because they haven't explicitly been taught that. I'll take it a step farther. Who says they should know better at 13? Who says know. we know Betty better when we're in our forties? <laughs> you know, like, know. like the reality is, you know, at least I am, you're not, but um, you know, like that reality of, you know, we, we don't, you know, as adults, we struggle with the same things. And yet we project under our students that they should all be this figured out. And right. we don't give them a lot of allowances for, you know, making things up or, and I know people do. So this isn't like, I don't want to generalize it. Like, you know, we're all bad, but as educators, we need to do what we wish people would do for us. You know, like that golden rule, treat others as you would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helps to think about that with, with our students, especially in this case, when they're struggling and it comes across differently than what, you know, you may see what you think is like laziness and like, um, I don't want to do something defiance, obstinance, uh, maybe even I don't know how to do something, but it could be much deeper. Like you said about the iceberg, it could be much deeper that what's really going on isn't really that. So be careful that you judge students based on that surface level behavior. And you have to get that root cause about, you know, do they even know what they need to do or are they just kind of going in 50 different directions? Yeah. And when you think about that, you know, you brought up a good point. So much about ADHD is misunderstood. Um, You know, like you said, they sometimes they're categorized as lazy or unmotivated or not interested in what they're doing or they don't care about, you know, whatever's happening. And in reality, you know, as a parent and as a person that has such a, you know, I have a background in special education. I know this, but I went through a period of time of thinking I was a bad parent, right? Like what did I, what is happening here? Like, I know, I know special education, but the outside world that doesn't get that my child is struggling with things that looks like he should know better. Like, what do I need to do as a parent, you know? And that really kind of directly bleeds into the classroom and, you know, having, how can teachers support them? You know, I talk with 
my, my son's teachers immediately at the beginning of the year, I talk to coaches and say, this works really well for him. You know, make sure you're addressing him first, say his name, get his attention. He wants to please. And any kid I've ever worked with, with ADHD, you know, friends in the classroom as an administrator, all I see is, you know, the biggest heart of, you know, they want to do what is expected, but there's roadblocks in place that we can teach them to get around that, you know, and one of the biggest things is, you know, we all know as educators and parents, we want to play into kids' strengths and what they're interested in, but I always challenge people and, and, you know, teachers and parents and friends of mine to dig a little deeper than that. As adults, we avoid things that are hard for us, right? We don't want to do it. It's hard. You have to really kind of look at that differently. Kids do the same thing. I see my son all the time, you know, what skills and kind of strengths does he want to do? What do those have in common? Like, why does he want to do X, Y, and Z, right? Because if he really likes something, he is a master at it. He's a pro and he can do it. What, like, you know, he loves- well, that's, that's something that we, I think I talked about a little bit in my last podcast was about that alone is that it's not, it's very inconsistent focus. Mm -hmm. It's not that kids with ADHD can't focus. It's that it's very inconsistent. It's that they focus sometimes extraordinarily well on some things that they really, but it's all based on interest. So, you know, just because you create this massive motivational plan, you think this will be the thing. That's not necessarily true. It's still based on interest, you know? And so you have to tap into their interest, but at the same time, we can't only have them do things they only want to do, right? Yeah. I always like to say, Yeah. I always like to say, and what luckily one like great little positive nugget of COVID for me is being home face-to-face with, with my son all day, every day, and being able to pick up on themes and commonalities and see the things he's avoiding and the things he's fighting me on. That's where my work lies for him. Like Mm -hmm. planning organization, those executive skills and executive functioning deficits of his, he avoids that. And he does that in the classroom. I worked with kids that do that in the classroom. That's where the work really is. Dig deeper into if they're fighting you on it. How do we do that? Right. But how do we do that? Because what, you know, we get into this battle. We can't battle. We can't lecture them. You can't mm-hmm. make them do anything, especially something they don't want to do. So let's talk for a second, get real. Like how, what can people do? Um, I think one thing we keep coming back to is that methodical instruction. I think just setting kids up for success and not failure is such a critical component. Your lessons should be for everyone, this is helpful, not just kids with ADHD, but very methodical. We do one thing, then the next, the next, so that instead of going from A to Z, here, kids, I'm going to show you A, I want you to do Z. You're going A, B, C, D, E, just all together, making it happen so that it's like they can't fail, even if they tried, you know, really making them help them every step of the way. When teachers do that, it's successful for all kids, not just kids with ADHD. So that very methodical, explicit instruction is really helpful. Methodical, you know, consistency hmm. is important. You know, predictability, I like predictable. Yeah. The predictable part of it, because I notice in, in the, you know, the explicit part being very direct with what your expectations are. I notice a lot with kids I work with, with my own son, that generalization piece and the sarcasm, sometimes, you know, that really is lost in them and in hmm. what, what the expectations are. And I see, and I've seen it this year in, in with him at school at home, he goes and does what he thinks it's, it's expected. And I see where the, where the pieces are falling apart. And it really is in what you just said, that methodical predictability 
is so important, not just for kids with ADHD. I mean, that's important for me too. Sure. I need to predict and kind of know what's happening so I can be successful. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in just for a second too, because you start talking about sarcasm. Is I can't help go this when I was teaching. I remember that I, I at times thought sarcasm was like a fun way to connect with kids. The more I go as a as someone who observes instruction every day, and for many, many, many teachers over many years, there is no place for sarcasm in the classroom. Honestly, I just get really hard on that now. And there's a difference between humor and engaging students and sarcasm. Sarcasm has a little bit of a nastiness tone to it, even if you don't mean it that way, both from students and teachers. And there's just really no place for it. It's confusing right. to kids. It blurs the lines. And it's not a right. great model for what we want. So just that little piece out there. If you're right. fighting that out there and you're looking at that, uh, feel free to be tough on that issue. So what about, uh, you talked something about offline about podcasts. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I've, I've found with strategies, you know, podcasts are great for us as adults, for professional development and that outlet or entertainment. Like there's so many things out there. But there's also a ton of things out there for kids that help them kind of understand and see that they're not alone and how they're feeling and they can learn and grow and see that other people have the same difficulties as them. Um, there's great podcasts out there. You know, my son listens to a podcast that is all geared around struggles that kids with ADHD have in middle school. Um, and it's just little short stories that are told and he takes those stories and we talk about them offline of that. And I see that he's learning and growing so much from those stories that maybe, you know, me, I don't know to even talk to him about that because I'm not completely inside of his head yet. I like to think I am, but he's seeing and experiencing things and he's starting to relate to that a lot. And, you know, that is something that I find very helpful that he can multitask and do that and see and learn um, on a different level that's not a video game or reading a book or it's just something else to kind of draw his attention in and make sure he knows that there's nothing wrong with him. He just learns differently. I thought that was, when you told me that, that was a big aha moment for me. I think that's an outstanding idea. A podcast for adults or like one of the number one you know, mm -hmm. like self-motivate, whatever you call it, like self-help piece right now. They're huge. So if it works for us, it, to some degree, it'll work for them because there is mm -hmm. a sense of choice in there. The listening is a little bit easier for people than the reading. Um, and you sort of think about yourself when they're talking about themselves, like right? when you're listening to these things. And so uh, I think that's an outstanding tool. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, yeah. What about like agendas and stuff? I know we use agendas and we help students mm -hmm. like write down tasks I think that could be something that you really work with kids and don't assume they just can do it, you know, just because right. they maybe have done it before. And, and there's a difference in, all right, kids go write this down versus you checking to make sure it was written down. Right. Yeah. The difference, you know, that, yeah. that accountability piece to it. Right. The, the accountability and consistency of checking yeah. that and looking at that, you know, I'm myself, I'm a checklist person. A lot of everyone I know kind of is a checklist person. So teaching that skill to kids and seeing that, being consistent with that and making sure, you know, this is helpful for you back to your analogy, right? Help me help you. Let right. me show you, I want you to be independent. I can't be with you every step of the way. So back to that step-by-step -step explicit methodical instruction, it goes right into teaching kids how to plan to be successful. The agenda starts the first step, you know, then you see the project starting to come in middle school. Yeah. Well, how do you break that down? Let's not just say the project is due at the end of the month. 
teach kids how to break that down and problem solve and be effective at that project so it's meaningful and it's not the last day of the month and all of a sudden the project's due and you're just cramming a bunch of stuff on paper to get it turned in. Yeah, really make sure that what we're doing will likely get good results, right? If I do right. X, will it almost guarantee me Y? Like a lot of times we do X and it doesn't guarantee you anything. You know, it's like, no, do things that are likely to get it all done for kids. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to start wrapping up here in a minute. What about some, you talked about some different games and things that we could do. Yeah, maybe it's families or in the classroom. What do you think? Yeah, there's a lot of great games out there. Um, you, I mean, you could do Google searches and find a lot. A few of my favorites um, are something as simple as chess. It's very methodical and planning and flexible, like having that flexibility and understanding of what's happening, thinking ahead. Um, another game is, you know, questions in a jar. We have it at our house. I used it in my classroom. It's another way to think through problems that kids are going to see and experience in educational and, you know, executive social situations to think through problems. Like the whole thing that everyone's all, you, you guys have heard of, you know, how to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich step-by-step. When you really start to think about it, there's a million and one steps there. It isn't just bread, peanut butter, jelly. So there's questions and problems like that that I've found at home is just very helpful in talking through those problems that I might not think of. And then just other board games are helpful. Letting kids sketch out notes instead of writing notes down line by line, just seeing what works for them. Maybe they need pictures, you know, Another big one that my son really loves is fantasy football. You know, it's strategy, it's thinking ahead, it's being organized, it's silly little stuff like that that teaches those executive functioning skills that they can apply in the classroom. That's great. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, my own takeaway I'm getting a little bit out of this is that thinking ahead, helping kids think ahead to what they're gonna likely need to be able to do or what materials they need. That's something we struggle with at home too. Um, how can we help kids through games and other activities to get just better at that? Because maybe they right. just don't think that way at all naturally. So that's a great, that's a great tip. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so thanks for being on the show. Appreciate you. Oh my goodness. So you are so wise and, uh, <laughs> and I'm not joking, I've seen her in action. She's She means everything she's saying and she can do it. The real work, right? We've been through it, so. Yeah, we have. Um, all right, so a uh, little conclusion here. Let's do a quick recap. One, don't assume that we know what kids are thinking or the reason why they're doing what they're doing based on what we're seeing on surface level behavior. We've got to dig deeper to that root cause and even ask them, God forbid we actually ask them. <laughs> why, right, you know, talk to them a little bit about it. Um, the one biggest thing is being more methodical and again, thinking ahead, how can we help them um, and, and really outside of education, help them think this way too. So we can't always be about academic things. We gotta think about this sort of generalizing it to life skills. And then ultimately you can't make them do anything. So stop trying. Right. That help wraps up this episode. You're just Follow me on social media at underscore Andy Jacks. Check out my true, website, andyjacks.com to sign up for my updates and blog posts. And please do me a favor. So, Can you go follow and rate this podcast so I know that you're connected? <laughs> have a great day, everybody. Go get uh, after it. Have a great it. day, everybody.